cliffcentral.com. All right. Speaking of wherever you get your podcasts, hopefully your podcast is with us this morning. And we have uh, an exciting episode of African Analysis, which is brought to you by the Johannesburg Business School with JJ Cornish next. Hey, JJ, how are you? I'm enormously well, thank you. Very kind of you to ask. Well, um, I was going to come to you just a couple of minutes ago, but we would have run out of time before 7 o'clock. So we've got the bonus, the added benefit of having you for a little bit longer now after 7. Lots to talk about. I just mentioned uh, that story about that Burkina Faso mine, which I'm sure you're aware of, so we don't need to go over it again. But uh, pretty amazing. You get a 50,000 rand fine um, for eight people dying in your mine in Burkina Faso. Huh? What do you think of that? Well, what happens in Burkina Faso? You know, that's the the land. That's what it means. The land of the honest people. Really? But uh, not everything that's happening. Yeah, was (laughs) Upper Volta. Uh, huh. But now the land of the honest people, and uh, it, it's not really, sadly. Yeah. Uh, what happens in Ouagadougou is uh, uh, not always honest, I have to say. You've got to say, though, that they've got the best name of a capital city, Ouagadougou. Yeah, yeah. I remember writing an editorial on it once and saying calling, saying something they'd done wrong, and the, the headline was Ouagadougou Bougou. <laughs> <laughs> which I thought was enormously funny. I, I still think that's good. I'm glad you brought it up. All right, so let's talk about some of the stories that are going on. This is brought to you by the Johannesburg Business School. We're looking at what happens on the African continent. Let's start off with Morocco. I mean, we spoke briefly about R- Morocco the last time we had you on, and you were telling us what a what a pariah they are, you know, how Morocco is this embarrassment. But let's just talk about what's going on in Brussels because apparently a whole bunch of Berbers took to the streets there to commemorate the uh, Rif Rebellion which happened a hundred years ago in Morocco um, so what's what's the latest on this and, and how can a hundred year old rebellion be making the people in Rabat nervous? Well very simply Morocco's in illegal occupation of the Western Sahara and have been so since 1975 they have managed to persuade uh, Western powers, and at the t- time, you know, when we were still talking about the domino theories, and back then in those the 60s, anything that was left of uh, center was was dangerous. But they persuaded them that if they were forced to leave the Western Sahara, they would, the whole of Morocco would come apart, and then what would exist in its place, they didn't know. And they mentioned at the time the Rif. Now the Rif is that area. That go, it has 233 kilometers of seaboard across the, the, the north of Morocco. In other words, that's 233 kilometers of Mediterranean coastline. That just past the Atlas Mountains. Indeed, yes. So it's got part of the Atlas Mountains, part of the desert. The, the rift means the edge of the civilized or cultivated area. And, and and basically hmm. they fought not the, the Moroccans at the time but the Spaniards, 1921, right. and when when Spain eventually brought France in to help them, Soita and Melilla, those two enclaves that we've spoken about, Spanish enclaves on the African mainland that mm-hmm. we've spoken about, are in the Rif area, and uh, so essentially France came in and and they retook the the, the Rif guerrillas in that period between 1921 and 26 that war period, they, they made significant inroads into the uh, the Spanish colonial area. But with French help, 
They mounted what was, Gareth, historically the first amphibious landing of using hmm. planes and tanks and that sort of thing for in history. Wow. And they retook the Rif area. So it's it's quite amazing. And, uh, and to this day, Morocco says, well, you know, if you get tough with us on Western Sahara, this is what's going to happen. The Rif area will want to go next. And, uh, they, you know, they just couldn't stand that. The separatists, and they're still there. They still uh, are, are uh, now that Morocco's taken over the area, or, or certainly Morocco's taken over Western Sahara, the kingdom itself remains threatened. It's very, very tenuous. And, uh, mm. of course, they have uh, a lot of uh, uh, jihadi terror and that sort of thing to contend with. But as long as the Western countries believe that uh, Morocco is that vulnerable, they're not going to hold its foot to the fire on Western Sahara. So it's, it was a hundred-year commemoration in Brussels. People took to the streets, and it simply underlined uh, the the uh, tenuous position that Morocco but, is in. I certainly but believe JJ, that if why, they let go of the Western Sahara. Sorry, yes? well, it sounds like a, a, a stupid question, and it may be, but why in Brussels? What has what has Belgium got to do with a rebellion a hundred years ago in Morocco? And why was the why was the the commemoration in in Brussels? I'm confused. Much of the Berber community, and that's who ah. lived in the Rif area. Much of the Berber community has been displaced, and they certainly couldn't hold a demonstration like that in Morocco, oh, or no. not if they didn't, you know, with, without taking their lives in their hands. Mm. So the, uh, the, a lot of the Berber community has been displaced and finds themselves in Brussels, and right. uh, you know, you, you can you can have that kind. I mean, the sort of demonstrations they used to have in London when I was there, ah. uh, you, you know, all sorts of people. On Trafalgar Square, you could demonstrate, you know, you, you could genuinely exercise uh, free speech. And maybe also because it's the capital of the EU, you know, this is maybe where they get the attention of, of all the other EU nations who they clearly need indeed. to. Indeed, yeah. indeed. All right, um, let's turn our attention to another B from Brussels to Burundi. They have a new prime minister. Now, Burundi gets way less attention than Rwanda, even though they're around about the same size. They're in the same sort of area. Burundi was very much involved in all the trouble that they had in the 90s in that part of Africa. But Burundi seems to be kind of given a, a little less attention than, than anywhere else. Why do you think that is? And, and what is the story with their new prime minister? I mean, is this someone who we should be excited about? Burundi gets less attention because they didn't have the genocide at the time, you know, that we, we got our de democracy mm. very recently. Uh, but the, Burundi has had its own genocide. There's a famous book called Tomorrow Morning, uh, you know, my, my, my children will, uh, please take my children because tomorrow morning my wife and I will be dead. The same makeup in terms of Hutu, Hutu and Tutsi, mm -hmm. Tutsi minority. Uh, but in a, in, a, in a much stronger position. You know, this was an area that none other than Jacob Zuma uh, mediated a settlement, and he did a bang-up job, it has to be said, although the man they put in power there, Piran Kurunziza, was a born-again Christian football fanatic and a bit of a beast as well. Of course, he died of COVID, mm. but they never admitted that's what he died of. Uh, now, now, what has happened is his successor, Everest Ndai Shimi, has replaced Alam... Hmm. Bioni, uh, uh, the prime minister who had a very, very parlous human rights record. So people said, oh, good, at last he's gone. Well, the fact is the, the his replacement, Gervais Ndirakobuchi, 
is even worse. And he was a guy who was the security advisor to Pierin Kurunziza, responsible for personally uh, commanding a lot of this. In fact, uh, Indira Kabuchi has the nom de guerre, the alias of Ndaku Karika, which means I will kill you. So, you know, you've got, you know, Johnny, I will kill you as your prime minister. You don't have things going your way, I don't think, if you're a, a human rights activist. Uh, so, yeah, it's very, very, very sad. Now, the e United States and the European Union both put sanctions on uh, Indira Kobuchi for uh, his human rights violations. But it seems to me that this shows that Ndai Shimei, rather than wanting to reform, is wanting to crack down and to be and, and, and putting an enforcer in, cap, in, in, in quotes, an enforcer in, as his prime minister means, that we can expect more tough stuff. When you speak about Burundi to uh, our, our own foreign affairs officials and, and those from other elsewhere, they all say that in, in terms of, I mean, we all give uh, the uh, Rwandans a tough time for their human rights record. They say that Burundi is getting away with uh, a lot of, lot of wicked stuff. Yeah, that's that's amazing. First of all, I'm I'm just blown away by your your erudition and being able to get these names right. Uh, they 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 are very, um, let's just say, interesting sounding names. Um, Pierin Kurunziza. I mean, I, I remember him, but I don't remember very much of what's happened since he died of COVID. Uh, is Burundi heading in a direction that we could we could kind of equate with Rwanda's current direction? You know, we've Paul, Paul Kagame seems to have that place uh, under under his thumb, and it seems to be working in some people's opinions. In other people's opinions, there's no media freedom. There's no there's no ability for people to um, to actually say anything critical of the government. And we know that opposition party politics in that part of the world are pretty much suppressed and oppressed and and denied. Um, is is Burundi similar in that respect? Do you think it's going to head in the same direction? Sad to say, it had African Union peacekeepers, including South African peacekeepers there. And, uh, you know, I remember being there uh, uh, at the Source de Nile, the Source of the Nile Hotel, mm. very famous hotel, with a delegation of European. Uh, they were members of the Security Council. And there was uh, 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 one of them, I think, an Argentinian, explaining to me how he played. Uh, how he played rugby against the South Africans. This was the ambassador. What an interesting guy. And there was this, uh, but, you know, he's so sorry because he looked out over the golf course and said, I didn't bring my clubs with me. <laughs> and there was this rumbling in the distance. And I said, you know, ambassador, it's probably as well. Do you know what that rumbling is? said no i said well that's mortifier you know would you want sure. to be playing <laughs> would you want to be playing golf with your with your hard hat on or or you only looked at me with a little wow. nonplussed we were there with security council uh -huh. members looking at it the fact is uh you know that that uh pieren kurunziza what he did the worst thing he did was take an unconstitutional third term in power mm. and that brought uh plans of a coup and you know he had he had a very very oppressive system uh to keep him there all right so burundi uh brussels now let's take our attention to uh this could be interesting uganda apparently there was a music festival they called it an immoral music festival in uganda Ten thousand foreigners what made it immoral and what is all the stink about jj well uh the, Uganda is, again, 
not a, not a very free country. Hmm. And uh, we, you know, if you were alive in the a child of the 60s, as I was, you'd understand that when you have an oppressive government, this is one of the areas that they that the, the most afraid of. I remember going to music festivals under Ian Smith's government, where where the, the uh, secret police tried to blend in with us, you know, and, and they wear caftans and so on, but they all had the the military haircuts, so they, mm-hmm. they stuck out mm-hmm. like a pair of dogs' testicles, you know. It was it was not possible to hide them. But the, here we had the Speaker of Parliament warning that this Nyege festival. Uh, which uh, eventually drew nearly 30,000 people, was a breeding ground for sexual immorality and homosexuality. Uh They take a very, very dim view of homosexuality. They wanted the death penalty for it at one point until Britain said, well, try that and then you'll see no more British aid. And uh, Yaweri was seven. He said, stop trying to bully us, but we won't actually hang homosexuals after all. So, you know, that's it. But the fact is... Uh, it, it's, I suppose, like taking children into a candy store. Same factor. Once we had these warnings, of terrible, dire warnings of what an immoral sort of thing it would be, the ticket sales absolutely soared. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> there, was, there was even film of the deputy speaker or the deputy prime minister, Rebecca Kadaga, actually dancing at the festival. <laughs> but they warned, you can go ahead, but this was prevented. Sexual orgies. Nudity, vulgar languages, your language, songs and gestures. They had a number of people there really enjoyed the hell out of themselves. And uh, I think the authorities uh, are sorry that they tried to put the the, the kibosh on it. Yeah, it's amazing how when you try to shut these things down, you know, um, that's when they get really exciting. And and I'm very excited to hear that they, they, they managed to stop some of the immoral songs, but also... Immoral gestures, uh, JJ. I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm trying to think about what. So those... you're shaking your finger. You, you are, you are one <laughs> finger away of making an immoral gesture at me. One <laughs> finger away. <laughs> well, thank you very much for your time this morning. It's always good to get a catch up with uh, JJ and to find out what's happening in places as varied as Uganda, Morocco, and Burundi. And I'm sure that uh, next time we see you, we'll have even more to talk about. But thanks so much, JJ. Good to have you here. Always a pleasure. Awesome. There we go. JJ Cornish, everybody. And that was brought to you by the Johannesburg Business School African Analysis. We'll have some more of that in about two weeks' time. Awesome.